Here's Your Red Flag is intended for mature audiences only. Please listen with care. Lisa and I created this podcast with the goal of enlightening each other and our listeners in prevailing over narcissistic and toxic people and relationships. Our mission with this podcast is to help survivors of toxic relationships recognize red flags and areas of personal growth while equipping them with strategies for ultimate and lasting mental health across all relationships. This is a podcast of self-discovery. We'll be talking about personal freedom, safety, security, and strength while embracing our inner voice, recognizing and honoring our gut instinct, accepting imperfection, showing grace to ourselves, and starting anew. Many of our episodes will include topics such as psychological, emotional, and physical abuse, and detailed narcissistic and toxic behaviors. Our podcast is for educational and self-improvement purposes only and should not be viewed as a replacement for therapy. We are not professional therapists. If you are in need of professional help, please contact the appropriate authorities and see our show notes for helpful suggestions. Some names and identities have been changed for anonymity purposes. The opinions expressed by the guests on the show are their own and do not necessarily represent Lisa's or my views. You can find additional information about this podcast in the show notes, as well as on our website, heresyourredflag.com. And we are also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. See our show notes for the links. If you have a red flag story you'd like to share for an upcoming episode, we would love to hear from you. You can reach us by email at heresyourredflag at gmail.com or private message us through Here's Your Red Flag Facebook or Instagram pages. Thanks, y'all. I flew up to the mirror Well, there was nothing that I seen You were Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Here's Your Red Flag. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Tony. Today, we are going to be speaking with Victoria, a very strong and brave woman who had a relationship with a diabolical serial scam artist. Fortunately, she found a way out of the relationship, but not without the pain from being deceived by a truly narcissistic swindler. Unfortunately, this man is still out there preying on other women to steal their hearts and money. Victoria reached out to us at Here's Your Red Flag with the desire to share her cautionary tale and the hope that it can prevent other women from falling in the clutches of this man or others out there like him. Hello, Victoria. Welcome to Here's Your Red Flag. Hi, thank you for having me. We're so happy to have you. Okay, so Victoria, we are so glad to have you on our podcast. And so the mic is all yours. Okay, so let me start from the beginning. So I met this man. His name's Eugene. We met in July 2021 on Tinder. I hesitated to even swipe right on him when I saw his last profile photo, which was a set of poker chips. It kind of triggered me a little bit because my ex-husband had a gambling addiction. But then at the same time, I thought, okay, well, you know, I I went through therapy. I I need to remember that not every guy is like my ex-husband. So I didn't want to judge him too soon. And, you know, I was really attracted to him. So I went ahead and swiped right. And then that's when it all just kind of started. And, you know, I thought it would end the way things usually end on these apps where they usually fizzle off because it's just a little overwhelming on the app. But he, he kept my interest because he kept the connection where he was texting me every single morning, good morning. And then he texts me throughout the day, just, you know, wishing me well. So he, he kept conversation going. So it did catch my attention because most guys will do that in the beginning and then they just kind of drift off. I even thought like, I'm going to give this guy a month and still every morning he was consistent. So I was attracted to the consistency and him being in Las Vegas and me being in California, he had offered to either fly me out to Vegas on a date or he'd fly out to see me. And, you know, I thought that was already kind of weird because I thought, I I don't care how hot a guy is or how nice he is. I'm not going to fly out to see someone on a first date. So I just thought, you know, I did think that was strange, but then I thought maybe he, he has the time and he can afford to do it. So, 
you know, I, I let him take action and, and that's what he did. He bought a ticket and he came out here to see me and we went on our first date in August and it was great. We had a lot of fun. He told me that he was never married. I knew that he had two kids and what he told me was the story behind that was the baby mama had an affair with a famous choreographer here in Los Angeles and he wasn't sure if his second kid was his. So he said, you know, um, he raised the kid for a year and he knew what it was like not having a father around and he didn't want that for his son. So he said the choreographer was so busy with his schedule and touring that he didn't want to be part of the child's life. So he decided to take him under his wing. And when he said that, I was attracted to that, too, because I thought, you know, how many men would do that knowing that that your wife had an affair with and this kid isn't yours and you're pretty much raising him and I thought wow he's a really good person and I got to know him some more on our date where he talked about his father not being around and he said that he doesn't like to break promises because his father said I'm going to be here I'm going to show up and he said he waited for his dad all day and he never showed up and he said he'll never forget that feeling so he's like when I make a promise to someone I hold it and so I you know and I and I started to really like him even more yeah, so that was first date. And then after that, same thing. He was texting every day. We were getting to know each other more. And in our conversations, he talked a lot about business and poker. And he said that he used to co-own a restaurant. This is one another time when I thought he was like a decent guy because he co-owned a restaurant. And he said that his partner decided to deceive customers by making them believe that the ingredients in the food were non-GMO when they were advertising non-GMO, but his partner decided to use GMO ingredients because it was cheaper and he didn't agree with that. So he said that, you know, they had to go to court and settle and he had to get bought out. And, you know, it was like this whole story. He talked a lot about business and money and investing and day trading. And I thought he'd talk about deals he made and meeting. So it sounded like he knew what he was talking about. That's not my realm. I'm, you know, I'm in the medical field. And so once we got into a commitment in end of October, we were exclusive. That was when he started to talk about poker a little bit more. And then he started to, he, he was more emotional with me where he was like, you know, I care about you. Let me make you some money. I want to help you and your kids. I want to make sure you guys are financially free. And so, I mean, I trusted him. So I gave him money. He said he could flip the money to up to 32000 a month. Starting would be ten to 20000 and then we would split the winnings. When I asked him about poker, and he was like, you know, I'm a professional poker player. I don't gamble. It's a skill. It's my job. He's like, you know, I'm not going to win every time, but I'm always going to end up on top because I'm a pro. So I believed him. And like I said, I gave him the money. And the first month he won a little bit. He didn't win what he said he would. He didn't play as much as he said he would. When I asked him about that, he was like, oh, well, you know, I I mean, I lost these days. So I have like, I need time to chill out and then go back in and play. But you'll see over time, I just have to manage the bankroll and we'll start making money. Then the second month he, he had like a huge loss. And I was like, you know, you didn't tell me that you could lose it all. And I'm realizing that you can lose it all. So I'd like my staking money back. And he was trying to convince me like, no, 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 no. Like, you got to trust me. We're going to make money. You're always going to be on top. And so I was like, okay. And then I got hit with my daughter's medical bill. It was $8,000. She had to get a biopsy done. So I asked for my staking money back. And then he offered to pay it. He was like, let me pay your daughter's bill. And then let me also make you money. Like, this is for our future. And so I was like, okay. And so something had happened between us where I demanded it back because I had, I heard something and I accused him of cheating and he got pissed. And he was like, you, you pissed me off so bad. I took all your money and I blew it. He's like, I'm going to win it all back. And then you and I will be done. And so during that time, me and him, we were still talking, but it was a little, we were both like on edge. Like he felt accused and I felt bad that I accused him of cheating. And I wasn't seeing any money yet. But during that time was when the Ukraine war was still so fresh. There was a children's hospital that was blown up in like mid early March. I have a huge heart for kids. And when I heard that, I, something just called to me and said, give it. 
So I told him, I was like, the money that you're going to win back, please donate it to these organizations. And he said, yes, I'll do that. And so he made me believe for months that it had been donated and that it was given. I have text messages saying donations are going great. It's going good. I'm almost done. It's done. So by August, he said all the donations were done. And so um, November, I asked him for the receipts, November 2022, and he couldn't give them to me. Then it was excuse after excuse where, oh, yeah, 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 I'll go through my email and I'll, I'll, I'll get it to you today. Oh, I can't get on my email. My Google Authenticate won't work. Oh, my phone broke. So finally, I was like, what happened to my money? Because you told me that this was donated. That was, that was a lot of money that was supposed to help a lot of people that were in a lot of trouble. I wasn't supposed to just give a few meals that could have really made a difference. So where's the money? And then he couldn't give me a straight answer. He's like, I'm going to pay you back after taxes. I'm like, no. I was like, you're going to pay me back in a week or you're going to donate that money and show me the receipts. And he didn't do either. So that was when I was really being aggressive with him where I talked to my lawyer and my attorney was like, you know, show me your text messages, see what you got. And, you know, we'll, we'll draft, up a, a draft up a demand letter. And it wasn't until I looked back at my text messages that I realized that I was groomed. When I was looking back at it, I was like, oh my God, like he scammed me. And I thought like, there's no way I could be the only one because this is clearly, it is what it is when I, when I looked back at those messages. And I even asked him, I was like, how many victims do you have? He's like, how dare you accuse me of something like that? And I've never done this to any woman before. But he kept repeating it even on some days that I wasn't even talking about. And I thought, that's weird. He's trying to convince me that he's never done this before. And so I was literally at work one day and I was desperate because I that time was so, I, I was in a, a really bad funk during that time. And I just like prayed. I was like, God, I just, I just need one more person. I know he's done this too. And I don't know, a few hours after that, a girl popped up in my head because he had mentioned a girl on one of our dates and he was just telling me, a story about her because we were passing by one of the hotels they stayed at. And he was like, Oh, I have a funny story. One time I dated this girl and he had said her name. He said her full name and what she did for a living. So I went on Google and I typed up her full name, what she did for a living in the city and a LinkedIn popped up and it showed her current workplace. So I sent an email to the workplace asking to speak to her. And she emailed me back with a phone number and I called her and I said, you know, this isn't a business matter. I'm calling for something personal. Um, you dated somebody that I dated recently and he scammed me out of a lot of money. And I'm wondering if he did the same to you. And the first thing she said was, I know exactly who you're talking about. And so that's when we spoke and she was the first girl I found. Um, he got 15,000 from her. And that was about five years ago. And she didn't say anything. She was an immigrant. She was scared. Yeah, so she stayed quiet. She did give me permission to speak on her behalf. So that was that. And then I thought, okay, how else do I find more? Because obviously it's not like this guy took a break in between me and her or if he took a break at all. Then I ran like a cheap background check, you know, one of the cheap ones that you pay like $20 for. When you do a background check, there are certain things that pop up. It'll be phone numbers, a history of addresses, any criminal records, civil records, and then it also will pop up called associates. And there were multiple people. And I thought, how are they associated with him? Like, who are they? And how are they connected with him? So I click on their name and then it runs their background check. And I saw that they lived at the same address at the same period of time. So when I saw that, I did a search on the other people that lived with him. And I saw that they were, okay, they were all Asian women. And they were all around the same age. And I was like, well, he definitely dated these girls. So... Sometimes the phone numbers on these background checks will be active. Sometimes they're not. I did get lucky because one of the girls I found, um, her number was active on there. I sent her a text and I find out she was also a victim, but in a different way. She said she doesn't think that she got scammed, but he definitely stole from her with the belief that they would have a future together. And then I ended up also finding out that he has another kid, um, a teenage daughter, and when I saw her picture, it looks just like his daughter now, his little daughter now. So his kid. And she told me that she's still in debt 15 years because of him. She still gets debt collector calls. 
So that's her. And then I found another girl the same way, another girl that lived with him. And he got 50000 from her in about a four-year span. And she, you know, she went through the most with him, where she went through a lot of emotional and physical abuse, which really surprised me because I didn't see the physical abuse coming at all. He was very calm, like very, very gentle. I could never see him harming a fly the way I saw him. But one of the things that all the girls did mention is that he has a really bad temper is something that they had all said, but he's only laid his hands on one of them. Her story, and when you read her testimony, I I cried because she went through so much with him. And she was that girl that she was stuck in that abuse cycle that we read about in the books. And what it takes for her to leave is where she's literally like running for her life to get away from him. So um, she went through the most with him. I mean, he controlled her money where she couldn't even, you know, take her checks. And, you know, she in her testimony, she talks about how he stole from roommates where they all have gone evicted. And he would come up with excuses like he gave the money to the homeless. And everyone was really young at the time. I, I don't think nobody knew that you can call the cops or how to handle it with the law because they were so young. Yeah, so that was her story. And then she connected me with somebody else. Um, It was a roommate of theirs. So it was a man. There was no romance involved. But um, when I did, he wrote me a testimony as well. And he does talk about how Eugene would talk about money and poker, poker specifically every week, trying to get him to stake him. And He always disagreed, but he did fool him in a different way where he said that Eugene, when he turned in the leasing paperwork, Eugene left his name out of it and kept the other guys on. So so the guy that was stolen from. And when he moved out, Eugene stayed in the apartment and he didn't pay for the rent. But because it was under the roommate's name, he suffered financially. So his credit score plummeted because of that. And he had to move out of state because no apartment would approve him with his poor credit score. So that was that. And then another guy, another roommate. It was something similar where he said Eugene would talk about poker all the time, but didn't give him the money. But he pretty much just got up and left one day and didn't pay rent for months. And he did call the cops, but the cops said, oh, that's a civil situation. And He said the losses were like four or five grand and he didn't think it was worth going to small claims court for and trying to find him because he had no idea where he went. All he knows is that Eugene blocked him from all social media, changed his phone number and just ran away. So I don't know what happened to my money. The last I heard was it was donated, but I don't truly know. I don't know if the big winning he had is from the money I gave him and half of that is owed to me. Or if he lost it, or if he's keeping it and just doesn't want to give it back. I don't know. Oh, and then let me also add, during my investigation, I wanted to get a hold of the wife because he told me that he wasn't really married. When we first met, he said that he met someone in Japan when he was dancing and she was a dancer and, you know, she wanted to come to the U.S. And he had said that the parents had paid him out a lot of money to get married and to get papers. So he did tell me that he didn't care about her that he just married her for papers, for the money, but they had to live together. So they started sleeping together and then she had accidentally gotten pregnant. So they decided to give her relationship a real try, but it didn't work out because she was in love with someone else. And so um, I went to go look for this someone else because I'm, you know, when I found out that he lied about the money, I wanted to know what else he was lying about. So I went to go look for the choreographer me living in LA. He wasn't hard to find. He's famous, gone lots of awards. So on my way home from work one day, I stopped by his dance studio and his class was almost over. And I told him everything that happened. And he's like, I never had an affair with that woman. I'm 100% gay, but he knows who they are. He was like, she used to be my dance assistant. And he said, you know, when they used to live here, he used to cheat on her all the time. She'd be crying. But he did say, I don't know if she's part of it. He said she's a very traditional Japanese girl, very quiet, very put together, very submissive. So he said that he would be shocked if she has anything to do with it. So, you know, I did reach out to her myself, like all platforms, like on Instagram, from my friend's account, from email to Twitter, nothing. And then my attorney wrote the demand letter and addressed it to both of them. She's the one that actually answered the door when the process server knocked on her door. And she tried to resist when she saw who it was from, which I think is strange. 
So I don't know if she's scared because I, you know, we, we don't really know who he is or how he is. We just know that he does have a history of being controlling and abusive. So I don't know if she's scared or if she's in on it and is just letting him do it and supports it in some way if they're benefiting. So that part, I don't know either. And I think where I'm at now is, you know, I've, I've gathered what I have. I have my ducks in a row. And, you know, for me, it was $10,000. So all I can do is go to small claims court with that. And that's what I'll do. I think it'd be easier to let it go. But if I let it go, when he does this to the next person and they don't see he has a history, when he does have a history, I think having that judgment on record will help, you know, so that women don't feel like that they're the only ones that were fooled. Did you end it with him or how how did the relationship end? Yeah, well, you know, when it came down to me, you know, um, accusing him of cheating, which was obviously going on anyways, he didn't talk to me for like three weeks, maybe almost a month and just thought, you know, I don't want to be with someone who's going to handle conflict in this way. I just felt like it was just strange how he just like ignored me for so long because I accused him of cheating. I feel like every girl does that. It's not like I, he, he treated me as if I like killed his dog. You know, it's like you couldn't even say anything. And I thought, you know what, let's just deal with the money and just keep in, you know, and he tried to get back together with me, but something was just kept telling me to, you know, step away from it. So, so I did listen to my gut this time around. I mean, you know, I mean, even in the beginning, there were some things, like I said, like him offering to just like fly out here for a first date. I did think that was like already kind of strange. But then I thought like, you know, maybe he did have the time and the money and, and I know I'm a good person. I'm, I'm worth flying out for. So let me, you know, let me just give it a chance. But something after that time told me to just step away from him. And so we kept things very friendly. We kept things really casual and that was it. Yeah, we kept it casual. I mean, when he was here, we were still intimate, but we weren't in the same type of relationship. Everything blew over when I asked him about the donation receipts. That was what really got to me. We hear about men, they, you know, they they can't control themselves when it comes to majority of them, obviously. We we hear about infidelity and cheating all the time. But when it comes to messing with somebody's money, the violation is a bit different. It feels very different, especially how he handled it, where he groomed me. It's not rape in the literal sense, but it does feel that way where you already plotted to target me and then you groomed me to gain my trust. And then you went in for the kill when you got what you wanted. Yeah, it's very different because I've been through, I've been cheated on, but this experience was, I don't ever want a woman to go through this ever or anybody it really put me in like a really dark place. And same with the other girls. The first girl I found, the one who gave 15000 you know, she was an immigrant. She had nobody. And she was left to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for months because she had no money. And then the other girl, the one that he was with for four years, when you read her testimony, it's it, it's just... It breaks my heart because she was like on every single antidepressant med. She was in therapy. She went through a lot with him. So, yeah, but for me, yeah. So, it, so things ended um, after that. And then we kept things casual and then things truly ended. There's no friendship. There's no nothing. And, and to be honest, like I, I don't make enemies and I, I do consider him an enemy now. So uh, things ended officially in November with any type of relationship. Has he tried to contact you anymore? No, after I found these girls, and especially after I found out that he physically harmed somebody, I did send him a message telling him to leave me alone. And I even told him, like, I still care about you. I still love you. Just to soften him up so that he doesn't think I will. But I mean, I'm still doing things behind the scenes. You know, I'm still out here warning other people. It's not coming from a place of vengeance. It's coming from a place to just, you know, like protect other girls. Cause I mean, like we're women, we're fragile. Well, and he's you a know, really good like, con artist because he conned two men as well that you've found. Yeah. He's really good. He does come off as very trusting. I mean, you like my voice, wait till you hear his, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, and I tell people I, I, I would feel safer in a room with Hitler than with him. Cause with Hitler, it's like, you know what you're getting with mm -hmm. him. You don't. You know, you don't know what's coming at you. It's 
it's that term. What do they say? It's um, sheep. Is it wolf? wolf and wolf and sheep's clothing? Yeah, that's how I that's how I see him, and that's why people need to be careful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Will you, will you speak to? I know when we had talked about this on our initial phone call, the type of woman he targets. All the women that I found were Asian. So, you know, I'm Filipino. One of the girls is Chinese. His wife is Japanese. One of the other girls is Filipino. And then another girl is Vietnamese. I mean, it might just be his type. I don't know. But, you know, our culture is, it's taught to not rock the boat. It's taught to, you know, stay quiet. When I found the girl that she she was stolen 50000 from, she told her family how I had reached out to her and they told her, block her, don't talk to her. And I'm not surprised because, you know, coming from an Asian household, you know, they, they just don't want the drama. They'd rather just ignore it. But I think that you're not protecting somebody that was just hurt, which might just be your child. And that frustrated her. So she told her family, like, this girl is trying to do something about it. I'm sick of being a victim. She's talking to an attorney. She got a PI. She's doing all this investigating. And then they started to support her a little bit more. You know, and I was taught the same thing. Like when I go to my mom about certain things, when I was going through stuff with high school, my mom be like, oh, just ignore it. Just be nice. And it's a cultural thing. And it's unfortunate because it, it doesn't teach our culture to have a voice. Were any of those other women single moms? Well, the one that became a who had his kid, his teenage daughters. I mean, she's a single mom now. But so far that I know of, it's just me. I'm a single mom. And then two girls are immigrants. And then everyone else was just really young. And that was something I noticed when he introduced me to all his friends. They were all young. Mm -hmm. Um, Eugene is my age, which is I'm turning 39. He's 39. And when I met some of his friends, I was like, wow, they're like in their mid-20s. Like I can't really relate anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like they're all about like partying and having fun. And I'm just kind of like just trying to get my life straight. And well, I mean, my life straight. I'm just trying to make sure I'm doing okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm the only single mom, but he definitely used that a lot during our conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you guys could just see the text messages, <laughs> I mean, he'd write paragraphs on how much he like cared about us and, and our future and how much, you know, he admired me as a person and this is for us. And, you know, I'm going to show you how to work with money because he was always against like a nine to five. He's like, you have to think like an investor, a business person. And, you know, he was really passionate about it. So it was very believable. Mm -hmm. Only to also find out from one of the girls that he never co-owned a restaurant. He was actually a busser there. Yeah. And then one of the girls that like knew him when I mentioned that, she was like, no, I bet you he worked there and he got fired. (laughs) I'm like, okay, well, these girls know him to an extent that I don't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what is your message to listeners about Eugene and swindlers like him? So I met this ex-CIA agent and I'm going to take his advice and this is what I would advise. You know, that saying that we're taught, trust and verify, trust until you have a reason not to believe them. And that's what I did. You know, I, I trusted him until there wasn't a reason and there was my reason. He couldn't show me the receipts. And then come to find everything was a lie from the start, from the very beginning So when I met this ex-CIA agent, he said, what you need to do is you need to trust and verify. He's like, that's how we handle it on the field. He's like, they tell you something, check if it's true. And it's not because you don't trust him, it's to protect yourself. So I think women should run background checks. I think women should ask a lot of questions. I think women need to be in their home and meet their family and their friends and their kids and, you know, when the time's right with the kids, but see what's really going on and yeah, just trust and verify. And then if something isn't adding up or something seems fishy, I think look into it some more and definitely don't involve your money in it. Really good sage advice. I, I got to give my XCA agent credit though. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's wonderful. The people that cross our paths, especially if we recognize that they can help us. Yeah. And, you know, he's, you know, he's very, I mean, he's, he's CIA. I mean, he's, he's got like crazy stories for me and, you know, he's, he sees that world where the world that he sees is when, you know, he deals with people that aren't good. 
you know, and I'm not familiar with that realm. I'm, you know, I don't know how to think like that. And so he's very protective. And yeah, that that was his advice. He was like, you know, next time you date one of these guys, you know, you let me know and we're going to check. Yeah, that's what he said. He was like, trust and verify. Because look at all that I found. I think it would have saved me the trouble if I just would have looked. I think I was trying to go about it the right way where I was like, okay, I see something serious. You know, we're, we're not going to, don't be insecure, Victoria. Just, you know, you're going to trust him. You're not going to question every little thing he does. And I don't want to go about it like that, but I'll verify for myself <laughs> without asking him, you know, like, what are you doing? What are you up to? I, I'm not trying to go back to that. That used to be the old me. And now there's going to be another new me after this. I, I don't want to be jaded by it. I don't want to. I did see the world as so, it was just so dark at that time. I, I, I never thought like I could ever feel like I didn't want to even be in my own breath or body anymore. It was really scary. And that's why I was like, okay, I have to say something because he's going to do this to someone else, you know? And the only reason I'm okay is because I have the support I have. Not not a lot of women do. Not a lot of people do. Yeah, I agree. And that's what I love about how there's so much more information coming out, podcasts and internet, Quora, other types of resources that women and men can begin to learn about toxic people, narcissistic people, psychopathic people. Anybody that can take money from a single mom has got to have some psychopathy. Yeah, it's very dark, you know, very dark, very evil. Yeah. Even like the Tinder swindler. I mean, he was just I mean, he was swindling like he had a type two blondes, but he wasn't specifically targeting those that were struggling. He looked for some sort of weakness. Okay, you have your immigrants that they have a need. You have these single moms, they have a need. And he went after that, but not to use it for light. He used it for evil. You know, and it's unfortunate because if he used it the right way, I think he could add so much value to the world if he did it the right way. But he's selfish. I know people are on their own journey. I mean, I just hope, you know, they say people don't change, but I, I, I'd i like to believe people do. I just want to make sure. But I mean, he's out there and we know we know he's been doing it for a long time. So the goal is to make women aware that there are people out there like him, like this. It's not just Eugene. There's several Eugenes out there. And to just trust and verify. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think that's really great advice. And our podcast is called Here's Your Red Flag. And I was kind of taking notes at the beginning. Of course, the speed at which he flew to meet you, that's a pretty big investment financially and emotionally to meet so quickly by such drastic means, the constant attention, the texting every morning. You know, yeah, it's grooming, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. And just the love bombing, you know, and how you could totally fall for some someone who said they were t- taking care of someone else's child. And come to find it's his kid. And he's, right. I mean, it's really sad that he's even denying his own kid for to con women. Yeah, he's he's good. I had... Uh, like uh, several male friends be like, he's texting you every day. I'm like, yeah, he's so consistent. And they'd be like, that's not normal. I'm like, well, he's different. (laughs) And I thought I hit the jackpot. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I was like, wow, like he's consistent. He keeps his word. What girl doesn't want that? Right. Right. And then he didn't, right? Then after he got your money, then all of that. Then it changed because he said, I'm going to be playing like five days a week for you. I'll be doing double sessions. And then when he'd send me the report, I'm like, okay, well, this guy only played like three days this week. What the hell? You know, and when I talked to him about it, he's like, well, I had a loss. I I need time to like rest so that my mind is straight. I can't just like go and play. And then he'd send me like all these YouTube videos on, you know, uh, like poker players, like when they have like a tilt and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's just a mess. But I did speak to an actual pro poker player. He actually also wants to air the story on his podcast. It's specifically for the poker community. And he's like, I've never heard of him in my life. Wow. He's never heard of him before. Yeah, because he he actually won the World Series of Poker one year. And the pros do know of each other. And he's like, I've never heard of him before. Well, all of your research is very impressive. And (laughs) yeah, that. Yeah, I just have to imagine the initial shock of uncovering more and more people and more and more lies, but also hopefully the the freedom that you feel. Yeah, I feel putting this out there. 
Yeah, I feel very liberated. I mean, there is a sense of, you know, there's also some anxiety because of the unknown, what will happen. And But I thought, I can't let that hold me back. Um, I'm doing something good. And there's nothing I should be afraid of because I didn't do anything wrong. And so I, I you know, and I'm, I'm a very faithful person too. So I know, you know, I, I do believe I'm protected. I, I do think I'm doing something, I don't know, just, just good for women because mm-hmm. it's like out of control nowadays. When I, mm-hmm. when this happened and I really looked into it, you know, and I read into it, it's like women don't say anything. They, they do stay quiet. They're, you know, this, this is nothing to brag about. There's a lot of shame in this, mm-hmm. you know, but I think, you know, I, I've had life beat me up where after I had my own family judge me after the divorce, no, nothing hurts more than that. So I don't really care when when people, you know, talk trash to me about what happened here. A lot of the victim blaming comes along. But then at the same time, people don't know what it's like until you're there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't I don't mind when people judge. They just they just don't know. Um, You know, I used to judge people all the time. It's funny because, you know, my my ex-husband, you know, I actually almost killed him (laughs) And, and he we used to watch the show together. It was called Snapped. Do you guys ever watch that? They they talk about women that like, you know, they've like killed their partners because they were in abusive relationships. Mm-hmm. And I remember I used to watch that show and I thought, oh my God, these women are crazy. I would never. And then I, you know, after my experience with my ex-husband and how I did almost kill him, I thought, oh my God, like this is how those women felt. Now I know, like, you just lose control. I mean, he's alive, thank God. But there's those first few seconds where you can't think straight and you you, you literally snap. But I'm thankful that my ex-husband's alive and, you know, he's well. And, you know, I did get a lot of help, um, not just after that, but just, you know, for other things, because a lot of this stuff is like deep rooted, right? Yeah. So after that, I, I stopped judging people because I, I used to judge the women on those shows and think they were crazy. And I thought, oh, my God, this is what it feels like. I, And then my, my judgment turned into uh, a lot of compassion. So I don't, you know, it doesn't bother me when people, they say things to me or they victim blame me after what happened with the scam. But yeah, it's just out of control, I think. I met one woman. She was scammed 75000 Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so she's kind of helping me through the process a little bit with, you know, the courts and stuff and, you know, trying to collect and all that. You know, she said that's something else, another process. Mm-hmm. She was scammed by Eugene or somebody else? No, well, it's interesting because um, I I spoke at another podcast and the host actually thought we were scammed by the same man because he was the same race, had two kids, traveled between California and Nevada and I thought, what are the chances? It's got to be him. <laughs> you know? And it ended up being somebody else. I'm like, okay, is there a handbook out there for men? Wow. You know? Yeah. So he, she, she actually, with that podcast, they actually found eight other women. Wow. So she, yeah. And she's one of the, I mean, a few of them did like file lawsuits, but not all of them, I think. Cause yeah, like they were, you know, they were scared. They feel ashamed. They feel embarrassed. And, but this girl that I spoke to did file and is just starting to get paid. Thank God for podcasts. You yes. know? Right. <laughs> I mean, it reaches, you know, a particular audience. It's, mm-hmm. it's not like social media where it can go viral, right? Unless it does. Um, yeah. So, I mean, but the point is to, yeah, I mean, if I find others and they want to help or, you know, but the point is to really um, protect women because we are fragile. We can see how easily we can be blinded when it comes to somebody that we do like. You know, we can have a hundred people warning us and we can still keep the blinds on. So I think it's good to just kind of have this just to, I don't know, just kind of maybe one day a girl will be like, oh, I remember hearing that story. I need to like verify this guy. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And not just with the money, which is very horrible, but also these men and or women who are narcissistic and beyond leading into psychopathy, they have a way of honing in on just the right person and exploiting for whatever their needs are. For him, it was money. But I know a bunch of what Lisa and I've been talking about in our podcast, a lot of people want to take from other humans. They want to strip away their strength and what they've built or what they are building. It's another kind of exploitation. So all of these 
people that we talk about, these toxic people, have that in common, that they are exploiting for their particular need. Right, right. You know, the elderly go through a lot of these financial mm. scams. So true. You know, and it's so sad. I mean, I, I mean, I get it when it's like these scammers can come from anywhere. You know, we don't know who they are. They're difficult to trace. You know, they're from out of the country. But I just think if you know who your scammer is, why won't the authorities do anything? It's like, I know where this guy lives. I know what he mm -hmm. looks like. Because like a lot of times, like when I do share my story, people are like, oh, did you meet him? You know, because most of the time you don't meet your scammer. You know, it's like, yes, I've met him. Like we've been together. We've slept together. We've, I've seen him in the flesh and we didn't just have like some online romance the whole time. So, uh, yeah. So mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, if I know him, it's like, I don't know. I, I think that he just needs to be investigated some more. Um, and then I know that they'll find more. They'll find and more than just theft. They'll find tax evasion, <laughs> right. you know, cause he's not paying for taxes with our money. <laughs> right. Since what he's would counting you... it as income. <laughs> Right. What would you advise someone to do if they are listening to this and they realize, oh, my gosh, I might be going through this situation? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, if, you know, you're really crazy about the guy and you don't want to trust or verify and you want to go about it, how some of us have went about it. If you are going to give money, make sure you have it traced. Make sure there's a paper trail. Don't give cash because, you know, if you decide to do something later on, that paper trail is what's going to help you. Because one of the girls did give cash and it's a little bit tricky to kind of, you know, I prove it when it comes to the courts because then it's just easier to become hearsay, right? So when you have that paper trail, it's, it's, it's documented. And then I don't think I answered your question though. So somebody, I'm sorry, can you repeat that? What your advice would be to somebody if they feel like they're in a situation with someone that is scamming them or has I mean, the intent to you know, scam we're, them? Well, I mean, if you already have like, you know, those feelings or that gut feeling that, you know, we're constantly told to listen to. I do think you like look into it and ask a lot of questions and journal everything that's said to you and ask for a contract if you're in it and have it signed exactly what the terms are, what the agreement is. Because I know I wouldn't have anything if I didn't have the text messages that I do have. Because now I'm in the process of, okay, now how do I verify that? these text messages are authentic. So there are companies out there where you can send your phone to a forensic lab and they will tell you and it's stamped and everything and it's admissible in court where they can say these text messages are from him and they're authentic and they're not generated by anybody else. But I mean, if you're stuck in this position, I think you need to ask a lot of questions. And if you feel uneasy about it, you need to ask for your money back. And if they're doing what Eugene's doing and coming up with excuses not to give it back, then you know that you've been scammed. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to have to go through the process I went through. Right. How I mean, if you want to, otherwise, you know, a lot of women just let it go and let it be. But I think when you do that, you are already shortchanging yourself. Mm hmm. How common is it that a pro poker player would use somebody's money as an investment, like your situation, how he explained that? To I, I, I think it's very common in that world, actually. Um, mm. You know, they, they do something called staking where it is kind of, you know, I, he's, he's sent me videos where it is seen as an investment where a lot of people don't know how to play poker, but they can see the money that's being made. So they'll pay a pro poker player, you know, a chunk of money and they split the winnings. So that's called staking. And it was my first time learning about it. But he fooled me and made me think that he would never lose, you know. And when I talked to some of these pros, they were like, well, first thing of all, these pros said that if they're a pro, they're not going to be asking someone for money. People usually will go to them, you know. But for him to do that, he was like, they know that he doesn't have the cash flow. I didn't think that he didn't have the cash flow. I thought he just, I thought he genuinely wanted to help me because he cared about me and my situation. And that's what I thought. I, I didn't think that he needed the money. But talking to some of these other girls that he's dated, one of them said that his gambling got so bad that they were using quarters to pay for gas. But he made me believe that he was a businessman that knew money and knew how to flip it right. When you think of poker, people think of gambling. But, you know, talking to some of these pros about my situation, you know, they have said it's also it can be seen as a business. You know, it is like an investment. It's just a higher risk. Yeah, I think um, it's part of the poker world. I don't, I don't want to say necessarily like scamming, but there is 
a lot of gray area that it makes it easy to scam people because, you know, you have your cash games that it's difficult to trace if you're not making us, you know, if you keep your winnings to a certain threshold, you don't have to report it. Things like that. Yeah. He's not a pro. This specific pro poker player that I'm going to do a podcast with said, I think he's one of those poker players that's a dreamer. You know, I think he dreams of being a pro. And it sounds like he learned all the right lingo. His delivery is flawless. He's attractive and he's got oh, a good yeah. game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but if, yeah, I mean, he. I think that's definitely the hook. I think if you see his Tinder picture, um, I'm sure that's that's the hook. He is a little socially awkward, so I can see some women kind of like backing off a little bit. But I mean, socially awkward in a way that he's and I thought it was cute because it was just kind of like nerdy in a way. But I don't know if that's part of his act. (laughs) I don't know him at all, (laughs) you know, to appear innocent. Yeah. Did I answer your question? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Perfect. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Oh, you're giving us amazing information. Okay, good. Yeah, whatever it takes to, you know, help women because, you know, we do get lost when we do let our heart do the leading. That's a huge statement you just made. Something that we've really been trying to do on our podcast is, well, we have an episode called The Heart Magnet where you really get in touch with, I think a lot of people call it your gut, but Carol Fields calls it your heart magnet where you learn what attracts or repels you. And once you really start using that inner guidance system, you meet somebody and they're telling you things like, I can take your $10,000 and make it $32,000. That just hits me in the gut in such a gross way that I would just laugh. I would laugh in his face now, now that I'm in touch with that feeling. Prior to learning that inner guidance system, I think so many of us, especially women, do go with our heart. And we do have a heart for everybody. And we want, you know, so many of us, you're a nurse, and I know you're an Enneagram too, and you're a people pleaser, and you're someone that wants to nurture others. So you're going to believe someone who says, all the promises that I make, I keep. You're going to believe that. Why would anybody lie to me? I'm such a good person. It is important for especially the people-pleasing type of people out there that are so vulnerable to get in touch with that inner guidance system and start learning to fill with your gut before your heart and your head even. Right. I've been in therapy for a long time after my divorce. And the multiple therapists that I've seen, they, you know, when I tell them stories and stuff, they've all said the same thing where you're like, you're very, very intuitive. You call it before it even happens, but you're not following it. Mm. You know, I, I question it is what I was doing. And um, and right now, you know, like I said, like this experience with Eugene put me in a really dark place that my usual ways of coping and trying to get better or get past it wasn't working and it scared me. And I needed something to pull me out. I just didn't know what. I was telling my story to a patient. She mentioned somebody. She was like, oh, you should read this book. She's really, really good you know, she does consult. So I reached out to her. She's a life coach. Her approach is very, very different. And I'm thankful for her because she talks a lot about this inner guidance that you're talking about. But her, the words that she uses is a push and pull. So we go through instances in my life where she's like, where have you felt a pull and it felt right? And it's only been two times in my life where I knew it was right, where I knew we had to like really search deep into well, what does the pull feel like? And I was like, it feels like home. It feels certain. It feels very safe. And then she'll ask me, okay, so what does a push feel like when you knew it was a push when we look at your history? And, you know, then she asked me about Eugene. Was he a pull or push? I was like, it was a push that I was forcing, (laughs) you know, even though I felt a pull to pull away. So, so we're kind of like on this little program to get to know that pull more and to like listen to it not even like not so much I have to follow it but to even just get to know that what that feeling is and to be able to discern the two because I think the second you question that first voice is when well at least for me is when I start to get confused that's when it's great to have a life coach or a therapist yeah to (laughs) run it by or a best friend who is very healthy (laughs) right 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 agreed (laughs) I think if we try to do things on our own, and I think a big red flag to ourselves is when we're entering a relationship with someone and we tend to find that we're not sharing anything about that person with our significant others in our lives, or we wouldn't share it with our therapist. That's a huge red flag to yourself. 
Oh, and that's how I experienced that with my ex-husband. I was, Mm -hmm. you know, he was, he, our relationship wasn't physically abusive, but it was very emotionally abusive. And, you know, he was very manipulative, very controlling, you know, tons of gaslighting, all lies, everything. I mean, what I went through with him was just, it was insane. But I remember I would cover up for him whenever something would happen between us, like a huge fight. I never told anybody. I mm. I actually would cover up for him to make him seem like he was the star. And, you know, we just got into a fight because I was being irrational again and where I blame myself because I was trying to protect him because I didn't want anyone to see him in a bad light. Yeah, I didn't tell anyone what was actually going on until I actually did, which was 12 years later. Mm. Yep. Sometimes it takes that long, you know? Yeah. 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 It's true. And some girls, you know, we, we hear about it. Some women don't make it out, you know, they stay and they continue and they might even know and they stay and, you know, and I think a lot of it is, it is kind of scary to step into that unknown when you're so familiar with something. And to think, I remember how scary that feeling was because I remember I knew what I knew, but I wasn't certain. But at the same time, I was like, I didn't want to know, but then I wanted to know. And it was almost like I, I just, it just seemed easier to stay with him. But then I didn't want to stay with someone dishonest. I just, I found out that he was cheating on me at, um, with prostitutes and that's what did it for me. <laughs> so yeah, that's, wow. yeah. That's a, that would do it for a lot of people, I would hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, so that's it. That's my story. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I, I thank you guys for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Well, we really appreciate you sharing and being so open and vulnerable with this because a lot of people might be so prideful and ashamed and there's nothing to be ashamed of in this situation. When you know better, you do better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all of us have made mistakes, especially in relationships. And it's just so gracious of you to want to share this with other people so that they don't go through it as well. Right. Yeah. No, thank you so much. So Victoria, thank you so much for sharing your story with the Here's Your Red Flag audience. Next time we will delve deeper into Victoria's childhood hardwiring that she feels made her attractive to, as well as attracted to this type of person. And we will examine with her the red flags that she missed and dismissed, what she's learned from this relationship with Eugene and what she has done to move on in her healing. Yes, we do. Thank you, Victoria. And we thank you all for joining us today. And we look forward to next time on Here's Here's Your Red Red Flag. Flag. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, y'all. Here's Your Red Flag was written, directed, and recorded by Tony and Lisa and edited by Tony. Our theme song is Butterfly Woke by Jairus. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe to our podcast. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate it if you would give us a five-star rating. Thanks, y'all.